This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into Bartholomew Town's continuing coverage of the impact of COVID-19 here in Rhode Island. I'm Bill Bartholomew. On this episode, a conversation with Rhode Island-based medical doctor and political commentator, Pablo Rodriguez. Obviously, you're a leading voice in a lot of different silos, so to speak, and broadly here in Rhode Island. So just your overall opinion right now about where we're at as a state in terms of managing this crisis from a medical and, I guess, a social political perspective. Uh, Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, It really is a remarkable job that uh, we have been able to do here in Rhode Island. When you look at what's going on in Massachusetts, when you look what's going on in Connecticut, definitely what's going on in New York and other parts of the country, uh, our state was recognized uh, a couple of weeks ago as one of the leaders in terms of the response. Uh, I know many people were very, very upset that the governor closed the schools. Many people were upset that she closed the restaurants and the bars. But now in hindsight, we're, we're looking at this as really uh, the perfect move um, and one that is going to be emulated throughout the country. Unfortunately, for places like Florida, New Orleans, uh, Mississippi, Uh, who have continued to believe that they are immune to this virus, they are going to suffer greatly because the way this virus works, the way the, the curve works, you know, the only way mitigation works is if you mitigate early. Uh, if you wait until the curve is accelerating mitigation, then it, it's meaningless because people will just go back home and infect everyone at home. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it, it's it's really amazing uh, in in following this throughout the world and looking at what other people have done. It's the same thing that happened in Spain and Italy. They thought, oh yeah, it's in China. We get some cases here. You know, we'll do some halfway things. Um, and look what where they are today. Um, right. You know, absolute shutdown of the country now for a couple of weeks, and you know the cases are still going up. Right, and that's the point that it seems like it, it was even here in Rhode Island, many people were not taking it all that seriously. Even in, as much as a few days ago, there were reports of people partying at Lincoln Woods or whatever it may be. But by and large, it seems like the population is bought into the notion that. Let medical experts, scientific experts, policymakers drive this narrative and ask questions later, you know, that is, is almost the appropriate way. And that suspends critical thinking for some people, I guess. Um, but at the same time, it's clearly the right thing to do when you look at the global data and you look at the results in places that haven't had efforts to flatten the curve, as you mentioned, Italy and, uh, and Spain. Uh, absolutely. I, and I've been arguing with people on Facebook all day long, every day about this issue, you know, thinking that, you know, why do we have to close the um, the, the whole economy? You know, more people are going to suffer as a result. Um, and uh, why don't we do something else? And yes, you could have done something else at another part of the curve. At the beginning of the curve, Korea um, what, they had the first case uh, in Korea uh, the same day as we did. Uh, but what happened, the president of Korea said, oh, wait a second, we already went through SARS. We already know where this goes. So we are going to be super aggressive. Within 10 days, they already had widespread testing. Within 10 days, they were already closing everything. Within 10 days, they had you know, drive-through you know, testing sites. 
Um, and you see the results. Korea has been able to really, really lower the curve of infection and is now on the way to recovery. Um, we could not do that here. We did not have the tests. The, the first test that the CDC developed failed, had to be sent back. Um, and, uh, you know, we lost a good six weeks, you know, um, before we could establish testing again. And this is the problem. This is where we are today. And the measures that we're taking today are absolutely necessary. There's no other option uh, until that curve starts trending down. What's amazing is, and it's an extremely small percentage of the, the my I guess, Facebook population. But even just now, I, that ding that just went off was someone challenging me that this is some kind of hoax, that the, go take a look at event 201. And they were planning this somehow. Bill Gates is going to inject us with chips, microchips, and so on and so forth. And again, there's a time to you know, engage, I think, in skepticism and critical thinking. I think that's fundamentally American and fundamentally human. Uh, this isn't one of them, though. We're, we're hearing from medical experts that are leading this charge. This is not a a way to entrap people into some kind of global order. And if it is, then I guess we're all out of luck, right? <laughs> listen, what I tell the people that argue this point is that, listen, if, if anyone is able to organize something as big as this, they are already in control. They don't need to do this. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. When you go to a medical conference, you know, you put you put three doctors in one room. You get six different opinions. Mm -hmm. um, and here we have the entire, you know, infrastructure of public health in the world. You know, with one single message: this is deadly. This is different. This is new. And if we don't, you know, pay attention and do the painful medicine that we need to do, um, we are in very, very bad shape. And the consequences of not doing anything and not doing the, the mitigation and containment strategies that we need to do, you know, forget about the economy. We're talking about millions and millions of people dead. Right far greater and and the economy does become a secondary it is obviously a secondary conversation it here is. no doubt but it becomes that much more of a secondary conversation if you're in a a situation where there's total breakdown of the healthcare infrastructure and uh you know i hate the fact that people also tend to um uh, to 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 think that in terms of you know well you know this disease causes more deaths uh uh, this other disease causes less deaths. Um, you know, why are we so concerned? And I keep telling people, this is not about the number of deaths, because this is about a healthcare system that is going to be completely overwhelmed. That is already overwhelmed in, right. many, in many locations. It's already overwhelmed in New York City. And it is that what really we need to be fighting against, because then the deaths are not just from COVID, from Corona, we are going to have losses from heart disease, from strokes, from car accidents, because the ICUs, the hospitals are going to be full. Right. So people that shouldn't have died are going to die now as a result. Yes. And I think that that is something that, that really needs to be communicated more and more and more, I suppose. In terms of communicating to different languages in the state? Do you feel like the state is doing a good enough job of broadly communicating to the population? I know we have the daily press conferences and they're available in Spanish as well. 
But for the Lusophones out there, the vast Southeast Asian portion of our state, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy based on communication in this effort. Do you think it's broad enough and and it's effective enough right now? It, it really is. It was a little bit, uh, you know, stop and go at the beginning. Uh, but some of us, you know, made made a little bit of noise that this needed to be more broad, uh, more diverse, and and more consistent. Um, and there is now daily communication in all, you know, languages. You know, in the main languages that we have here um, in in Rhode Island. Uh, in my radio show every morning, I have someone from the governor's office that calls in every day with the new orders, the new information, the new statistics. Um, so, you know, at, at, at least, you know, we can say that, uh, that there's been a real concerted effort for everyone to be uh, informed. And I think that's one of the reasons we also have been successful uh, in, in that uh, the message is getting across uh, all communities. And uh, the best example is, uh, you know, stick your head out the window and look at the streets of Providence. Right. Uh, if uh, if the message wasn't getting uh, out, uh, there would be more people on the street. Totally agree with that one. Um, last, I guess, you know, your take on this from, I guess, more of an emotional and, and esoterical sense. Do you feel like we are going to be okay? We're going to get through this, that the ingenuity and collective willingness of people to get through this is going to prevail and in, you know, we don't have to put a time frame on it. I mean, that's basically pointless at, at, at right now anyway, but at some point, we're going to get through this and we're going to be better for it. Yes, uh, you had to ask me that uh, because, you know, <laughs> I like to be optimistic <laughs> always and, you know, you know, uh, have, a, have a smile and uh, make people feel better. But uh, what we're facing is um, transcendental, is something that we have never experienced uh, as a country. Um, and um, I really, I really am worried um, about, you know, what it's at the other side uh, of this, because many people are going to be thrown into poverty. There's no doubt we're not going to have enough money to to be able to to substitute for for the living of uh, you know the living conditions of many people. And um, unless we put away some of our political ideology um, and uh, and decide that this time is different that we need to really put all the efforts of the country to rescue the, the, the most vulnerable, um, that, that giving more to poor people is not taking away from anyone. It's actually making the whole better. Uh, if we are able to, to get to that point, I think we will be okay. Culturally, I have concerns uh, by, about the fact that um, we have lost the human touch. Uh, of of greeting, of kissing, of of grieving in funerals, of weddings, of graduations. You know, when you lose this much time out of a lifetime, uh, that is time that can never be recovered. Mm. And if there's anything that worries me on the other side is uh, mental health uh, and the ability of of people to recover from this dramatic and an unprecedented loss 
Um, so we need to be very, very concerned about this. And we have to look at the other side, not just as an economic recovery and let's fix the economy. We have to recover our soul. We have to recover our minds. We have to recover our spirit. Can't, couldn't agree more with that. Recover the soul and keep it moving as much as possible, the collective soul here as well. I feel like there are, you know, people are getting excited about Zoom and Facebook and this, that, and the other, and it's still kind of cold outside. And But the days are going to get longer in terms of the sun being out. The time in this isolation is going to expand significantly, and it is going to affect people's moods. And uh, it's already affected mine significantly. You know what I mean? And it's no question about it. Um, as someone who likes to move about and, and as a musician, all my 75% of my income just ended and I don't see how it's coming back anytime soon. So you really have to, um, and, and it's a, it's a mind game as well. And I, I really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront because what good is an economy if you've got a bunch of sick people? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and we need to work on our minds. It really is what's going to get us out of this, uh, out of this morass that we will find ourselves for months. This is not going to be two weeks. This is not going to be two months. Uh, this could possibly be through the entire summer. Um, and uh, the sooner we can come to terms with, uh, with what's coming and what we need to do, uh, the sooner we'll begin our own collective, um, you know, Sure. Mm. Doctor, appreciate you hopping on. I look forward to um, sitting on a panel on the lively experiment with you. I, that's definitely, I'm hoping I get that draw sometime here when we resume taping. So it will be fantastic. Yeah, I will thanks. enjoy it highly. Thanks so much for all your work and for putting yourself on the line as well by pushing back against Facebook comments, which I certainly <laughs> see you do every day. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. uh, my wife doesn't appreciate it, but I just can't stay still and quiet when, you know, ignorance, bigotry, and absolute stupidity uh, is being broadcasted throughout the world. Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.